Okay, our passage we're looking at this morning is uh, James chapter 5. James chapter 5, verses 7 through 11. Turn your Bible to James chapter 5, verses 7 through 11. James, a pastor in the Church of Jerusalem, writes uh, to uh, primarily a Jewish audience here, and he says this, starting in verse 7, Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. We can look at your word um, this morning. We can um, find encouragement from it. We can find exhortation. We can find areas in our life that we can change. And I pray that you would, your spirit would open our eyes, reveal uh, your intent of these scriptures for our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A number of years ago, um, the company Amazon did a study that, that showed that if a customer, as Amazon customer is forced to wait a tenth of a second, just a small fraction of a second, a good portion of the customers m- would move on and they would lose at least about 10% of their profit margin. They would lose, the revenues would drop 10%. You think about that, that's a pretty, a, a, a significant amount of, of, of revenue that's lost due to people just being a little bit impatient. And so it's no surprise that in years following, Google and Amazon and other companies did a lot of research and a lot of uh, development and poured a lot of money into speeding up uh, websites. And as sites began loading faster and faster, people began uh, to get used to that. And so if a site didn't perform well, obviously it wouldn't, it wouldn't do very well. Uh, but you have, uh, there was a small uh, portion of uh, some of the, the web commerce um, a number of years ago, travel sites weren't a uh, website that would load very fast. In fact, they, they would oftentimes... Uh, it takes several seconds, almost a minute sometimes, to load some of your queries. Um, and there was a specific site, Kayak, um, who knew they couldn't avoid making customers wait. Uh, and so every, every time a customer needed to look up, look up a, a travel uh, site or find out what the cost of a flight would be, a new query had to be uh, 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 refreshed and to find this ticket. And it was inevitable to make customers wait, as all the travel sites had to do. So Kayak, uh, the, the, the company Kayak tried to figure out what they can do to keep their customers on their site, to keep them satisfied, um, and what they can do to keep them while they waited. And so their solution to the problem significantly changed the way people wait. Um, their software engineer said this, let's try to, to uh, show customers what we are doing while they wait. Uh, and instead of having a progress bar, they designed an animation uh, that uh, not only showed the percentage of what search is being happening and what's going on, but also it showed the, what was going on behind the scenes, what, what the algorithm was doing as it was doing this. And maybe you remember using Kayak a number of years ago. It's not like this today, but you, a number of years ago, if you typed in a city or typed in a, a place you wanted to get uh, a ticket from, 
uh, it would say you, it, the little, um, animation would happen and the little flip parts of the kayak, would, the, the letters would flip down. And it would say, now searching American Airlines, now searching Delta. And it go through the list of all the sites it would search. Uh, and you could watch prices fall on the little animation as the tickets came in with better rates. And so Kayak became one of the first companies to design a window into their operation. And the animation gave their, their site something that um, no other site could. It gave their customers radical transparency. And that was by design. They wanted their customers to see what was going on and why the wait was happening. So people, instead of viewing their time as being robbed, they were seeing, wow, this site is doing its job. This is doing it a whole lot faster than if I went to the website of Delta or American or these other um, uh, flight companies. Uh, and no surprise, customers really appreciated and valued it. And so they, at Kayak, as they were developing this, they ran tests on this experiments. Uh, and it found that users who waited 55 seconds with this transparency, that they were seeing what was going on, had the same amount of satisfaction as customers who got instant answers. Um, uh, and the, the, what was happening, the customers were appreciating the work that was going on behind the scenes. And so today we have um, that, that, that same research, that development carries on to other companies. If you get a, a Lyft or an Uber, you can track where the car is, or if you get a uh, Domino's pizza delivered, you can track where that pizza is, how, how it's coming to your house, um, and uh, you can see what's happening. It helps you to be able to wait better. And then uh, radical transparency has come to, uh, to the more physical world as well. Um, an experiment was done at Harvard a number of years ago at a dining facility of theirs, and they set up cameras um, and uh, TV screens, so the cameras were on the, in the back and the chefs preparing the food. And um, they found out through this uh, experiment that um, when um, students that were waiting for the food, when they could see what was going on, see behind the scenes, it made the wait more tolerable and it made the food taste better. In fact, the, the results of the study showed that customers reported that the food tasted 22% better and, it, and, the, and the chefs worked 19% faster, all because they could see what was going on. So when transparency re re reveals people's efforts, we appreciate them more. We, we appreciate seeing what is going on behind the scenes. And waiting becomes less of a chore. And that's true while waiting for a website. That's true while waiting for your pizza, while waiting for a, a chef to, to, to cook your food. But what if as we, as we look at this passage, we see it's dealing with trials and waiting what if it's true that, what if we could see what God was doing? What if there is transparency as we were seeing what, what, what is going diff, on difficult circumstances in our life? What if there's a window? What if we could see and understand why the trial and suffering? What if God would show us what he is doing in our lives during the suffering? And if you're, if you're following uh, what we read in the passage in our, our line of conversation, you know I'm going to say that he has revealed that. In fact, in James 1, it says this, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. And here's the window. Here's the transparency. Verse 3, Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and incomplete, lacking nothing. 
And sometimes we, if we have that trouble understanding this or knowing that that's a window, James goes on to say, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him, but let him ask in faith. So there are times where we totally miss the fact that God is working in our life, and God says, Ask of me, ask wisdom, and I will, I will, I will let you see that this is for your own good. This transparency is for your own good. The testing of your faith produces patience. God in His grace and goodness to us is transparent to us through His Word. And He reveals the behind-the-scenes working in our lives as we suffer and wait in the Lord. We're familiar with the passage in Romans 8 that says, And we know that all things work together for good for those who love God to those who are called according to His purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. Changed into his image, as some of you are studying in the morning. Uh, Paul Tripp, a writer, says this. He says, Waiting is not just about what I get at the end, but about who I become as I wait. Waiting is about who I become as I wait. When God gives us the wisdom to appreciate his plan, in the middle of our suffering, the Holy Spirit can produce in us the fruits of the Spirit, which include patience. And we find that in the, the word patience here several times. The value of waiting is measured in the development of our character. And that character, when it's developed, is it, it can express that Spirit-enabled fruit of patience. And when one person said it this way, waiting is something we have to do Patience is what we can give to God and others by imitating His Son, Jesus Christ. Patience is what we can give to God and others. In our passage this morning in James 5, James gives us three different examples that help us understand waiting. He gives us the example of the farmer, the prophet, and Job. And he shows us three ways that we can learn to, avoid, to, to value waiting in the midst of suffering. So the first way... that James tells us to value waiting is, number one, to anticipate. To anticipate. James here says uh, in verse uh, 7, Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. So we value waiting, we have to anticipate. James tells us, you need to wait like a farmer waits. Wait like a farmer. And he, and he goes on here uh, to, to, to say here uh, several times what, our, what we're waiting for, what that hope is, what that confidence is. It's the coming of Christ. The second coming. Uh, Therefore, be patient, brethren, fellow believers, until the coming of the Lord. Uh, the writer of Hebrews says, uh, tells us that things won't, won't always be as they are now. He said, the writer says, we're headed toward the city whose architect and builder is God. Paul tells us, we don't look at the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. Not the things that are, are transient, that are passing away, but the eternal. And this is an encouraging step when we face long-term difficulties, to eagerly uh, anticipate the Lord's return. Anticipate. 
Conversely, um, if, if we are, or, or, uh, the church is more affluent or indulgent or self-centered or more worldly, we're going to have trouble anticipating God's return. But God often gifts us with circumstances that make us turn to him. The word uh, uh, second coming or the coming here that talked about is parousia. It's a New Testament um, uh, term that's most commonly used to refer to the second coming of Christ. Uh, Paul uses it in Corinthians and Thessalonians. It includes the idea of presence, um, but is best summed up with the English word arrival. And more than 500 verses throughout the New Testament uh, encourage the the church with the hope and confident expectation uh, stating this, uh, this truth that we have. And Christ spent more time talking on this than many other subjects, especially when you get to Matthew 24 and 25 in the, the Olivet Discourse. Uh, he tells us that the, the second coming of Christ will be preceded by uh, signs, dramatic times, climatic events. Uh, it'll be a time of separation of believers from unbelievers. And even when Paul described his own, uh, his own eminent death, he said, In the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but to all who have loved his appearing, is the word. And he talks about how we have a momentary light affliction that is producing that for us, an eternal weight of glory that is far beyond our comparison. So James says, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer awaits for the precious fruits of the earth. Um, how many, does anybody have a background of farming or maybe your family in the background, maybe a generation or two back? Yeah. Uh, see, so some of these things uh, make, make a whole lot more sense when you, when, you, when you put yourself in the farmer's shoes here. Uh, the farmer here that James is referring to may have been like a, a, a tenant or a small landowner. And Paul is saying here, uh, he is, or, uh, James is saying here, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruits of the, of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. Um, so, he's, so James says all he can do here is patiently wait. He's, he has put in the work. He has done the planting, the preparation, uh, and he has to patiently wait. So wait like a farmer. And as we are anticipating Christ's return, uh, we're to wait like a farmer. And uh, so, th- so James is not just saying here that the farmer often waits here. He's kind of describing the length of the, of the wait here. He says, he describes um, the, the um, climate and some of the, uh, the, the weather patterns here of the Palestine area. He said he waits um, for the, the, the early and the latter rains. So the early rains would be in the September, October time period uh, after the... Um, after the planting season, and then just before the harvest in March and April. Uh, so he says, just like that farmer has a, a period of time where he's waiting from September, October, all the way to about uh, March or April for his harvest, that's how we are supposed to do. So some of you that, that have grown up uh, in a family, uh, the farmers or in your background, you know farmers aren't necessarily, they don't, just sit on their hands when, when some of their work is done. Oh, there's constantly, there's things to do. There's fences to mend. There's um, tools to sharpen. There's things to, to continue doing here. And James goes on to say here, uh, you also be patient. Establish your hearts. 
So what does that farmer do while he is waiting? He works. So if you, to wait like a farmer is to keep working. As we anticipate Christ's return, we're not to just sit on our hands or wait on top of a hill somewhere. We're to continue working. And James uses the term here uh, to, he says, strengthen your hearts, make fast, establish, confirm. Uh, Luke uses this term when he is describing Jesus' resolute determination to head towards Jerusalem, knowing that his death is, his, is, is, is very soon. He's facing imminent death on his arrival in Jerusalem. And he said he established or he strengthened himself. He, he had a resolute determination to continue going. Firm courage, committed to st- commitment to stay the course, no matter the severity of the trial. Uh, the, word, uh, the word used there in sterizo uh, means to cause to stand up or to prop up um, those who maybe are about to collapse under the weight of the circumstances artists are to prop themselves up with the hope of their Savior's return. You know, sometimes when the, this word here, it, the, the strength in your heart, we're, sometimes it's used on the fact that the, what the Holy Spirit does for us, He strengthens us. We see that in Ephesians and Thessalonians and Peter, and it's the gracious work of the Holy Spirit, the divine provision. Uh, but, but James here is saying this is a personal responsibility. Prop yourself up. Strengthen your heart. So which is it? Do we, is, it the, is it the Spirit that strengthens us, or are we supposed to just strengthen ourselves? Well, yes. Um, and this is the... Um, the, the, the profound tension we have throughout Scripture. We, Paul, Paul tells us this in Philippians 2. He says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but also now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. So on the one hand, it's not let go and let God. On the other hand, it's not uh, legalistic self-effort that we work, that we prop ourselves up, that we strengthen ourselves. One, one writer said it this way, it is living as though everything depends on us, knowing that it all depends on God. Strengthen your hearts. We have a duty to, to put work into our spiritual growth. Uh, trouble is temporary, but will, it will end when Christ returns. And as we, as we think through Christ's return, or think through James writing to this to these believers here, we know that Christ did not return to, uh, before these, um, while, while these believers were going through their trials. Uh, and, and Christ hasn't returned yet, and there's been a lifetime of millions of believers who are still, who have, died, have lived and died since. But we all have that anticipation that Christ may return at any moment just like these believers did here, just like believers have throughout Scripture and, and, and throughout um, uh, history. Knowing that the next event on God's schedule for Christ is His return, the deliverance of believers from this world, from all its troubles. That's the hope that we have here. That's the anticipation that gives us comfort. James says, let your anticipation give you comfort. But he also says, your anticipation should give you caution. 
your anticipation should give you caution. So how does it, on the one hand, give us comfort, on the other hand, give us caution? Verse 8 says, um, uh, or verse 9, Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, here's the caution, the judge is standing at the door. Again, this is talking about the return of Christ, the imminent return. But James is saying here, in the midst of trials and suffering, uh, don't grumble against each other. Don't succumb to complaining about your difficult circumstances. And some, a lot of times when we go through extended circumstances that, that seem to never end, we can easily become frustrated or lose patience or complain against one another. And sometimes we, we do that and we um, think, well, those people are suffering less or, or those people are adding to my troubles. James is saying here, don't grumble against one another. And again, on, on the illustration of the farmer, farmers are generally known for their willingness to help one another. To be the first to help out a fellow farmer who needs some help with something, with something that broke down or some extra help with his harvest. Nobody on the farm has the time or the energy for disputes. And if we start using the, the, the sickles on each other, we'll miss the harvest. The, the word here that, that series, don't grumble against one another, brethren, lest you can be condemned, uh, can also um, be used to uh, describe an internal or unexpressed attitude that is bitter or resentful. So not grumbling. It can be something that's audible or it can be something that we think in our hearts. And James tells us to avoid this complaining because, because of judgment. Paul tells us the Lord brings to light the things that are hidden in the darkness and discloses the motives of men's hearts. And he describes Christ, the judge, as standing at the door, very aware of everything that is going on. Christ knows our thoughts and our intents. And the times that we are, we are tempted to grumble and complain about our circumstances, that we're tempted to compare ourselves with other people and how, where they are and how things are going in their life, that seems a lot better. James says, don't grumble. Avoid judgment. So what is this patience, he says? It, it looks like perseverance. It's, it's sticking to things. It's not giving up. Persevere like a farmer waiting for his crops. Paul tells us to be patient in tribulation. And, and he, he goes on to say in, in Galatians 5 that it's one of the fruits of the Spirit. One of the ways that the, the Holy Spirit is at work in our life is developing patience. So again, we have this transparency that, that, that God is saying, you are in a difficult time, but know that I am at work in your life, developing fruits of the Spirit. Know that I am de- developing patience in your life. And if we can get a hold of that, if we can understand that God is helping us to become more patient, God is developing us, God is... Uh, maturing us so that we can be uh, perfect and complete, wanting nothing. We can appreciate what God is doing. We can stop our complaining. We can, uh, we can, be, we can strengthen our hearts to make it through difficult times. Patience pro- proves our love for God and our trust that His plan is worth waiting for. 
and we can choose to believe what he tells us about himself and rest in the knowledge that he does see, he does know, he does care despite our present situations. James says, anticipate, wait like a farmer and work like a farmer. The second way we value uh, waiting is to imitate. You find this is verse 10 and 11. Imitate. And James is telling us we need to wait like a prophet. Wait like the prophet. Verse 10 says, My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. We count them blessed who endure. So we're to, we're to imitate faithfulness. We're to, number one, imitate faithfulness. And the example James gives here is the prophet. Um, and, and again, when, when James brought up to his Jew, primarily Judy, uh, Jewish audience, they would have right away known who he was talking about. Wait like a prophet. Uh, they, they would know that they would think back how Elijah announced to Ahab there would be a three and a half year drought. And how that Elijah himself had to go through those same circumstances of a drought and God, had to, God provided for him during this time. He would know that these people would know, would think back and know that Jeremiah endured many, uh, much suffering. He was arrested as a traitor, thrown into a dried up well to, left to die. But God fed and protected him during the siege of Jerusalem. The, this, this Jewish audience uh, would have known that Ezekiel and Daniel had, their, had also their share of hardships, but the Lord delivered them. They would have thought back to Moses and how he put up with a rebellious people. How David was hunted by Saul. How Ezekiel endured the death of his wife. How Daniel was torn from his homeland. How Hosea endured, heartbreaking, endured a heartbreaking marriage. How John the Baptist imprisoned, how uh, John the Baptist was imprisoned and beheaded. And Hebrews goes on to give us a list of, of many people, these heroes of the faith. And it says many who aren't even um, are named here. They were they were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might attain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings and chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawed in two, they were tempted. Slain with a sword, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted and tormented. All these having obtained a good testimony through faith. James is reminding us, look back over the period of history, in biblical history, where these prophets endured, they waited for the Lord. So he said, when you wait like a prophet, what do you keep doing? You keep witnessing. You keep proclaiming truth. Wait like a prophet. Continue witnessing. These prophets were fully in the will of God, yet they suffered. They suffered because of their faithfulness. Oftentimes we have a difficult time with this. We view faithful, obedient living as we should we should uh, incur blessings from that, and we do, but they don't preclude us from suffering. At times, it brings about suffering. Paul tells us, all those who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. These prophets, 
that, that we think we look back towards, and there's, and there's many more, demonstrate extreme patience under suffering and can, and can provide encouragement to us to wait on God. And we can imitate their faithfulness. We can also experience favor as we imitate them. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. Uh, we, can, we can imitate these prophets because they continue to witness, because God blesses those who endure. It's a, a biblical principle, patiently enduring difficult circumstances. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians, he says, Unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan sent to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of God may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities and reproaches and needs and purses and and persecutions and distresses for Christ Jesus' sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul was blessed during his life with humility, and, and God gave him grace. God gave him spiritual strength to endure, to wait on him. James says, wait like a prophet. Keep on witnessing. Keep on going. Strengthen your hearts. Final point here, the third way we can value waiting is to meditate. To meditate. The last illustration that James gives here, and as you read through the book of James, you see all kinds of, he gives a lot of illustrations. In fact, he uses more illustrations of nature than practically any other writer in Scripture. Uh, and uh, from, from water to farming to sunshine to fields, and talks a lot about, uh, brings up a lot of different illustrations here. This one specifically here we have in, verse, in the second part of verse 11 is Job. He said, You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end as intended by the Lord. The Lord is very compassionate and merciful. So James here is saying, Wait like Job waited. Meditate on God's purposes. We meditate by meditating on God's purposes. And again, and to his uh, Jewish audience, James is, is bringing up the endurance of Job, which is one of the most popular stories in Jewish history. As, he, as Job endured the loss of his children and his wealth and his possessions, uh, his friends, he was given bad counsel, uh, his health and even his reputation, and eventually even partially his sense of God's presence. And we know that while he did vocalize his misery and, and bemoan the evil that had come upon him, he cried out to God. This is what, this is what the scripture said to him, it says about him. Through all this, Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. And he went on to say, Job said in his words, Though he slay me, I will hope in him. There is a man who knew how to wait on God, who said, things you have taken away from me is not important compared to compared to you god the outcome or the purposes of god's dealings with job provide hope for all for all who patiently endure 
You have heard the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord. Again, you've seen this. You've, you understand how what God was doing in Job's life. You have that window of transparency to see what's going on. Waiting can be endured when we understand what is going on. And maybe we don't know all the details, but we do know that God is present with us. God is, has promised to be with us, and He strengthens us, and we are to wait on Him, and He is developing patience. He's developing our character, which is worth it all. So by meditating on this account of how Job patiently endured trials, we can better understand how we too can patiently wait on God during times of suffering. Realizing that God's word is transparent and that he, and he shows us that he is at work in our life. That God is causing all things to work together for good to those who love him. So we meditate on God's purpose. We also meditate on God's person. The last part about this, the last part of verse 11 says that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. We know who the God is, we know who God is based on his word and as we are going through suffering, through trials, through difficult circumstances, we can know more about his person and that can help us better wait. So when we're waiting like, waiting like Job, we can be unwavering. We're being unwavering when we're waiting like Job. And this passage closes with this exhortation to patiently endure because of God's character, because of the way, what we know about Him. And even though we may not, we, can, we sometimes question whether God understands or cares about us or sees us, we have the undeniable truth here of who God is. He is very compassionate. And that the word there is explaining that he has an enormous capacity for compassion. That's the God who is helping us through our, our times of suffering. That is the God who is saying, count it joy because you know that I am developing with you, uh, developing character in you. I'm developing your person, making you more like Jesus Christ. You know, that God is merciful. Um, and because of God's mercy, we see that Peter tells us that we're to cast all our anxiety on him because he cares for you. When we're suffering as believers, we're to respond, God responds to us with mercy and compassion as our Heavenly Father. If we meditate on God's person, we avoid becoming impatient with God. Satan wants us to become impatient with God. You think through Scripture, Moses' impatience robbed him of the opportunity to go into the promised land. Abraham's impatience uh, led to the birth of Ishmael, the enemy of the Jews. Peter's impatience led him to swing a sword at one of Jesus' captors, and he almost became a murderer. But again, the answer that we find that Paul gives us is, My grace is sufficient for thee. Paul didn't fight this. He didn't give up under, the, under this um, thorn in the flesh. He trusted God for the grace needed. And turned Satan's, uh, Satan's weapon into a tool for building his spiritual life. 
We're to meditate on God's purpose. We're to meditate on God's person. And in the middle of suffering, we can go to the throne of grace and receive from God um, all what we need to endure. Hebrews tells us that in Hebrews chapter 4. God has transparently revealed his purposes of making you more like Christ and will work out his purposes in his time and glory. And we can find great comfort in that. We can endure, we can wait better, we can be unwavering like Job uh, when we meditate and know, uh, know who God is. There was a quote from an uh, Indian writer uh, that I recently came across that said this. When I first read it, I, I, was, uh, I thought, well, this is kind of sarcastic or fatalistic. Here, the quote says, I can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, but at least I'm in the tunnel. Um, and it's kind of a bitter pill to swallow until we, we, until we put with it a, a biblical worldview. And it sounds a little like um, the, the quote I read earlier, waiting is not just about what I get at the end of the wait, but about, but about who I become as I wait. So it isn't as much about the light at the end of the tunnel as it is knowing that we are in the tunnel because God has put us there and is at work in our life for our good. God is at work in me, developing my character so that I can display patience and Christ-likeness while I am in the tunnel and so that I can emerge from the tunnel. Again, uh, last verse, closing here. James tells us in 1.4, But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and for the encouragement it gives. I thank you that you reveal who you are. You are transparent about your workings in our life. And your intents are for our good. And that good is to make us more like you. I pray that you would help us to submit to the suffering you put in our lives. I pray that you'd help us to look to you for that grace. I pray that you'd help us to, to strengthen our hearts, knowing that your spirit comes alongside us and, and strengthens us. I pray that you'd help us to be more understanding uh, with others around us that are suffering and, and help us to encourage them with the truths that we find in your word today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.